This week on the Voice and Sport podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with Kayla Wood, a current professional lacrosse player, former member of the UNC women's lacrosse team, and three-time ACC champion. Now, as part of the Athletes Unlimited Professional Lacrosse League, she continues her athletic success and is consistently on the top of the leaderboard, as well as a team captain. In today's episode, Kayla shares her recruitment process that landed her at the University of North Carolina. Unlike the most common pathway for many high school athletes, which is getting recruited through a club team or showcase series, Kayla was recruited through her high school team. She's not only a standout player who has successfully reminded us that we, as women athletes, should let go of comparisons to our teammates. Instead, she has shifted her focus to being the best version of herself. This isn't how it always was for Kayla, though, and she talks about her transition from high school to college. Today, Kayla generously shares with us how she navigated several personal adversities she faced during her time at UNC. We learn how Kayla sought out support and adapted her mindset, and she reminds us to stay focused on the things in our lives that we can actually control. Welcome to the Voice and Sport podcast, Kayla. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and I think we're going to have a great time today, so let's do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, look, our podcast is all about sharing untold stories, talking about things that maybe is a little hard to talk about at first, but will help the greater community of women athletes when we do talk about it. So, you know, I want to start with your background a little bit. You know, you started your sport at a very young age, but your journey in lacrosse wasn't continuous. So, you know, you also grew up in running track and cross country and then came back to lacrosse. So can you share with us that that early few years, why you stopped playing lacrosse and, and then what brought you back? So this may not be like a regular answer. So when I first initially started playing lacrosse, my sister was in high school. So I was like, oh, like she's trying it. Let me try it out. But I was at such a young age that they had like all of these little tedious rules So like, for instance, you couldn't really check anyone or you had to pass a ball like three times before you could score a goal. And it just felt kind of like slow and kind of like restrictive. And I like remember telling my mom, I was like, "Mm, like, I just kind of want to wait until I don't have to worry about all these rules anymore. So then when I got a little bit older, probably towards like seventh, eighth grade, that's when I really started focusing on it. Well, there's a lot of pressure that comes from young women athletes sometimes to play on the club teams in order to make it to the college level. So did you ever feel that pressure as a young lacrosse player when you were growing up in the sport? So initially I did just because like when I ended up trying out for the lacrosse team in high school and then, you know, playing varsity, a lot of the girls that I was already playing with, they were already on club teams and stuff. So in a sense, I kind of felt behind because before I'd gotten to high school, I was playing on rec teams and everyone else, like I said, was playing on club teams. Like a lot of people, especially in the area of Maryland, are playing like club lacrosse from like sometimes the time they can walk. So it, it was a little bit challenging to one, even potentially find a club team, but also just kind of dealing with that pressure of like, oh my gosh, like, am I falling behind because I'm not doing what everyone else is doing? So what was your experience getting recruited to go to college? And what would you share to other girls out there as just like learnings from that experience? So the first thing that I'll say is that not everyone's path is going to be the same. So my path to being recruited to go to UNC was much different than everybody else around me, especially because I didn't get recruited 
to play at the college level through club sports. Essentially what happened was is I made varsity team fresh my freshman year of high school and then I went to states and then that's how college coaches saw me. And then the funny thing is is like my old basketball coach ended up calling me after like since lacrosse is in the spring during the summertime saying like, hey, like Jenny Levy from UNC wants to recruit you. So it was just like a completely different experience than what most people experience. And the other thing about it is the fact that a lot of people think I went to like a private school or like this really high top ranked, you know, public school. And the fact is I didn't. So I think the best piece of advice I would give would be there's definitely other ways you can get recruited and it doesn't have to be the same way that everyone else is. I love that. And I think that's such an important message to share with young girls out there because club sports in the U.S. is extremely expensive to play. And when you start playing club sports at age like 11 or 12 and you think about like all of those years in between starting at that young age in club sports and then going up through high school, a lot of young girls, like if they're fortunate enough, they have the opportunity to be in club and then they don't actually play for their school. And, you know, the system in the United States is set up. And so that a lot of like the recruiting happens through those club teams and those big tournaments. But you're a great example of like where you work hard and you get on your your high school team and you can still shine and make it to the top which i think is just such a powerful message and and so looking back now on your experience in high school you know what can we do to make the the lacrosse industry more inclusive so that more women can play at the highest levels in high school i think it really just starts with you know recruiting athletes outside of just these club tournaments and to stop putting so much emphasis on the only way that you're going to be recruited is through club. I mean, there are also other ways, like you can go to camps and clinics. I know that especially at Carolina, I would notice whenever we would have camps, we'd have a lot of the same girls coming. So like that was one thing, which that also can get expensive, but it is definitely a better alternative than to just play club. So I think think it's important to see all of these other players outside of just club, because like you said, everyone may not have the resources in order to play club lacrosse because it is really expensive to do. And did you, for your recruitment journey, was UNC the only school that reached out to you? Or can you share a little bit more about that that journey for other girls out there, especially for the girls that might not be in club and they might not have the financial resources to do that? I want to, I want them to know, like, how did you handle that whole recruitment process? And like, what advice do you have for those girls? Because I'm sure there's a lot of young women out there that are in a similar situation and still want to play in college. Yeah, so I did have a few other colleges that, you know, had reached out to me to be recruited through and a lot of them luckily were local. So, for instance, one of them was Towson, another one was Loyola, um, and Princeton. So, they were all fairly close. UNC was really the only one that was really far from home. So, I really just went to almost every one of the campuses before I really decided where I wanted to go because even though UNC like is a really great school, you know, there are other options out there. You don't necessarily have to go to the best school. You got to go to the school that fits you. So like I said, like the reason I ended up going to Carolina was once I set foot on campus, one, I definitely wanted to be somewhere where it was warm because <laughs> I hate the cold. And then two, I just wanted to be somewhere that it really felt like a home away from home. 
So I loved all of the girls that I had met when I had gone and visited there. I loved how it was 70 degrees in January when I visited and everything was green. I also loved how it challenged me not only as an athlete, but also as a student. And also just the fact that after my four years there, I would also grow and become a better human than I was before I got there. So it really is just like a checklist and you got to make that checklist for yourself and don't just say, hey, like the best school is recruiting me. You got to say, hey, like what fits me the best? Absolutely. And what are the other interests that you have? Like you mentioned you wanted to grow as a person and and sometimes, you know, that means different things for different people. What did that mean for you? I mean, so you, when you go into college, you're an 18-year-old, you don't really know what you want to do with your life. And just in my journey at Carolina, when I had first initially got there, I just was like, I'm just a lacrosse player. Like, I'm an athlete. Like, I'm here to play lacrosse. Like, that's it. But then after my first year, I realized that there was so many more things that were important than just being an athlete. And over that course of time, I've found things that like I really became interested in and new hobbies, like especially during the time that we were in the pandemic and we were at school, I ended up really getting into drawing and art and painting and things like that. So I think being in college, it's good to find other ways to define yourself besides just an athlete. Absolutely. It's so important. Well, once you got to UNC, you were part of the starting defense unit as a freshman. So what was that transition like playing in high school to starting at one of the top five lacrosse teams? It was a pretty surreal experience. To be quite honest, I don't I really didn't know what to expect when I went to Carolina. You know, obviously everyone's goal as an athlete is to step on the field on game day and to potentially start and like that that was definitely my goal but I knew that it wasn't just going to happen. I knew that I was going to have to put in the work for it if I if I really did want that to happen and everything that I did I felt like was intentional and led me up to that moment. So the transition was pretty challenging, but I did enjoy it for the for the most part. I would say school was definitely Balancing school and lacrosse was definitely a lot harder than being in in high school just because high school is not, not that it's not as serious, but it's just not as rigorous as your courses may be in college. And when it came to playing, especially at practices, everything was just so much faster paced. But I mean, I think that I adjusted pretty well, just mainly because of the girls I'd come in with and then also because the upperclassmen were really good at leading us. So whenever we had practices or whatever, they would really prepare us for what we should expect. Well, let's talk about that transition through the lens of confidence, because, you know, when you're in high school and you do make it to collegiate sports, especially at the division one level, you're used to sort of being the absolute best at your high school. And then you head into your new squad and it is definitely different. So did that transition affect your confidence and how you viewed the game? And what advice would you have for other young freshmen that are about to start and they might not be the best player anymore on the team? So I think the biggest thing that helped me through that was there was kind of like a flip that switched in my head where I, like initially when I had gone in, I had kind of like compared myself to other people and then I had realized that in doing that it like sucked my confidence away from me because I was like 
oh my gosh, all these girls are good at all of these things. Like, and I was like, how am I even going to measure up to them? And then I was like, wait, but I'm here for a reason too. I am good at a lot of things that they may not be good at. So when I talk about the switch being flipped, I went more into how can I be the best version and best player of myself rather than how can I be the best person on the team? Because at the end of the day, everyone there is just really, really good. And everyone just has different skills that make them the best at what they do. Because in order to be on a team, everyone has to have a role. And your role means that you are the best at doing that. So that was really, I think, where my confidence kind of switched because I was like, no, like I'm Kayla. This is what Kayla is good at. Don't worry about what everyone else is good at. You have weaknesses and you'll work on them on your own, but don't sit here and try to compare yourself to other people. Such good advice for any any young athlete that's heading into college. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, the next three years of, of you playing at UNC, you know, you mentioned that you were not always on the starting lineup. So you were not consistently starting. And I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, how did you deal with that? Again, like that was different than where you were in high school too. Did you ever speak with your coach about playing time? And how did you navigate, I guess, these potentially more difficult conversations with your coach? Yeah, so it was definitely difficult. It was on so on the field wise when I didn't earn that starting spot and I wasn't getting the time that I wanted my like effort didn't change if anything I put in a lot more effort because I wanted to show them I'm like okay like I'm gonna earn that spot back and sometimes no matter how hard you work you sometimes may feel like it's not worth it but you have to at the end of the day worry about the things that you can control so even if I did go into my coaches and talk to them a million times and nothing was changing at the end of the day, the only thing that I could do was focus on the, the controllable things for myself. And that is my attitude. That is my effort that I put in and my mentality of, you know, where I want to be. And it really helped to set goals. And and also at the end of the day, like, if you think about it realistically for lacrosse, you can only have 11 people play out on the field at a time. And on average, there's only going to be about 20 players who really play that day. So that really means that out of like a 40 person roster, there's still going to be half the team who may not touch the field that day. So even though I, you know, may not have been on the field and I wanted to be on the field, there were other people who also felt the same way. And something that helped me through that was like bonding through the struggle that we're all experiencing together. So instead of kind of like fighting it alone, like saying like, oh, like I deserve to be on the field and all these other things. It's like there are also other people who want to be in that spot, too. So it's better to not be selfish about it and just accept your role and to just work really hard and try to better the people next to you and yourself every single day. How did you and your teammates kind of have conversations about that? Because that's one of the things at Voice and Sport that we really believe in is like building communities that where you can lean on and have those harder conversations. And obviously, when you're on a team like that, you guys are all fighting for a spot on like the starting lineup. So sometimes it can create this hard dynamic of competition within the team. So how did you, you know, ensure that you were creating sort of that, obviously keeping that amazing competitive drive between everybody on the team, but still like leaned on each other for conversations and, you know, sharing how you're feeling around either not having playing time or other other issues or challenges you were facing? 
the biggest thing or just kind of going back to you know the beginning of like not comparing yourself to others it's all really about the mindset about things so if you create this relationship with your teammates where it's not like you're comparing each other, but instead like you're climbing a ladder every single day of like, hey, like you may have beat me in a 1v1 today, but like I'm gonna get you tomorrow type thing. So it's better to look at it in a way of where you're building each other up rather than tearing each other down because we are a team at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we want to be competing for a national championship. So if we're not all on the same page and we're all not bought in, then we're not going to get there. Because the thing is, is, what a lot of people don't realize is, especially on game day, like you can feel the presence of everyone out there, whether you're on the field or not. So if you don't have that great energy and great camaraderie, you're not going to make it nearly as far as you want to be. So it's good to have healthy competition, but to not take it to the extent of you comparing yourself to someone else's situation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I love that you shared that. It's a mindset, right? It's a mindset that you can shift if you're not in a good spot and create that team dynamic that's going to win you champions because you're a three-time ACC champion. So it definitely worked. (laughs) And you know, you weren't always on the field, right? But you were on the field sometimes. And like you said, there's a role for everybody to play on the team and you can keep that competitive juice like alive and still remain really great friends. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to kind of go a little bit further into some of the adversity that you did face. Although you had three championships, you know, you had some really tremendous challenges and specifically a personal loss in your junior year that you faced. You know, this is not something that you've spoken out too much about publicly, um, but we did want to talk about today because it really can impact, you know, your mental health as athletes when you lose somebody in your life. So would you mind walking us through this really hard part of your life and and just sharing with us, you know, the direct impact that it had on your mental health and how you recovered from it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is still something that is a little hard for me to still like put into words or explain. So I'll try my best to. So just bear with me for a little bit. But essentially what happened my junior year of college in December during finals week, one of my closest friends from home had passed away due to suicide. And This was just incredibly shocking news to me just because I just had never experienced anything like this in my life. And to be quite honest, I really had no idea how to react to it. At first, it really didn't seem real. And I was lucky enough that both of my roommates were there. So they were kind of like able to kind of soften the blow a little bit. But it really just was like a like wild experience like I still to this day have don't even know how to put into words like how in the moment it made me feel or even kind of like shortly after because like there was just so much going on that like I said I was in finals week and I ended up being able to talk to my professors and getting some of them done early some of them I was able to go home and do so I ended up leaving in the middle of finals week to go home and then all of our services happened so it's just kind of like i I was myself, but it was kind of almost like I was just had so much going on that I was just trying to get through that. And I hadn't really had time to really process my feelings about things. And finally, when everything just slowed down, like everything really just hit me. And like I, I went through a cycle of sadness and frustration and just 
like utter grief just from the entire situation and it was really hard to navigate because I'm just someone who is just really tries so hard to be positive but in those situations it's really really hard to be without acknowledging your feelings and I think a part of the healing process I knew that I had to acknowledge my feelings and I didn't want to run from them and I didn't want to hide from them because I knew that in the end it was only going to make things worse so even if that meant that I was ended up crying in the middle of a workout that I was doing or walking through the grocery store and starting to tear up I was like I just gotta just like feel it like I I can't ignore it like I have to just deal with this right now because if I don't it's it's gonna just haunt me later down the line so I was lucky enough to have a, a really big support team and I'm usually the type of person who's always there for other people and I find it a little difficult for for people to be here for me but I knew that I had to be honest with people and tell them like look like I need help especially because of the situation itself a lot of the times people don't ask for help and that's kind of when we start going down this like dark tunnel and we start digging ourselves into a hole and I was like I can't let that happen to myself I'm like my friend passed away and like I'm gonna devote everything that I can to my life to make sure that like I'm living in her honor and I'm like I need to just accept the things that are going on and I need to accept help from people no matter how hard it may be for me. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think what you said is so important is like acknowledge your feelings, you know, don't don't push them out. And especially if you're a positive, you know, always seeing the positive of everything type of person, like it is okay to feel the sadness and the grief. And I think what you said is, is just so important for girls to hear out there. So when, when you said you, you asked for help and, you know, you took on some of that as part of your recovery, what did asking for help look like? So it's going to look pretty different for everyone. For me, it was just me having an honest conversation with like my family my friends and saying like hey like right now I am okay but I am letting you know that there are going to be days that are going to be hard for me and sometimes like I may not want to say it but I just kind of like need you to look out for me because I'm gonna sometimes struggle a little bit but there are going to be days where I'm gonna need you to pick me up because I won't be able to do it on my own Absolutely. So in response to such a traumatic personal experience, how did your coaches handle it? And do you wish it would have been handled differently? So my experience, obviously, everyone's experiences are going to be differently. But at least the way that I handled it with my coaches was I knew that they were going to be worrying about me. And I knew that they maybe didn't know how to come and talk to me about it and I think in general in life sometimes the reason why we don't reach out to people is because we don't know what to say so I went out of my way to go and and meet with them and just talk to them and just say like hey like over winter break I was you know it was definitely tough and don't get me wrong I definitely am still struggling but I am happy to be back at school and I really want lacrosse to be my safe space. 
And if I ever have like a bad day, like I will be sure to tell you guys. But I do really just want to focus on lacrosse when I step foot on the field at practice, games, whatever. I just really want to focus on that because that's going to be my safe space. That's going to be what gets me through the tough days. So I think that they were really receptive to that, which was really awesome. And especially my coach, like Katrina and Phil were like, because I'm, because well, one, Katrina was like the one that like recruited me. So I was a little closer with her. And then Phil, like he's a defensive coach. So I spend a lot of time with him in general. So, you know, they kind of just always had their eye out on me because I spent so much time with them. And I think that they really were just happy that I went out of my way to come and talk to them about it because it is like a difficult conversation to have. What resources do you wish you had for yourself at the time when you were going through this really challenging moment? I mean, I feel like I the one thing that I do wish that maybe would have made it a little bit easier for me would have been to be able to talk to someone who's already been through it. Because like I had I did have, you know, people I could talk to who were experiencing the same thing because they were also friends with her as well, but it's different for someone to have already gone through it and then kind of be able to guide you through how you may feel you may be feeling or someone to just tell you like yeah there are going to be better days coming like right now it's just going to be hard but just because like when you're in the moment it kind of just feels like the end of the world you know like it's kind of hard to see oh tomorrow's going to be better or the next day is going to be better because right now it just really sucks well and there's a lot of really amazing clinical psychologists out there too that can be people that you lean on because sometimes like it's it's one thing to lean on friends and family that have gone through something similar, but it's also really helpful to have somebody to lean on that can help you structure sort of how you go through the grieving process and like, how do you recognize your feelings more, especially if you're, if you're not yet there yet as a person, right? As a human being, we're all in progress. We're all work in progress (laughs) and not always do these moments happen in our lives where we're prepared for them. So, you know, I think it's also important to ask for for help and clinical psychologists are also a really great place to lean on or your sports psychologist. Let's talk about your, I guess, advice that you would give to other young women in college that might be facing a loss of a teammate or a loved one to suicide. What words would you share with them, I guess, based off of your own experience as they work through this really challenging time themselves? So, you know, first as, you know, the person going through it, you know, definitely don't suffer in silence about it. You know, go talk to people, ask for help, whether that's asking for help with just a friend, a family member, or going and seeking professional help. I think that's incredibly important. And, you know, my biggest thing with everything in life is to always take things one moment at a time. So don't get too ahead of yourself and try not to live too far in the past just try to focus on the present moment so especially when I was you know going through this particular adversity whenever I would you know go to practice like I said I would just focus on lacrosse at at that given time if I was doing my schoolwork, I was focusing on that and eventually over time like you, you can't just stop living your life you have to keep going and there are going to be days that you're going to be really sad and you're gonna you know want to sit down and do nothing and honestly sometimes it's okay to do that 
Like a lot of people think that, you know, you have to be this strong person all the time, but if you just need to sit down in your bed and just like cry for a little or like watch some TV or something, like take care of yourself. Like obviously keep doing the these things of living your life, but you still do have to focus on your self-care for sure. Thank you for listening to the Voice in Sport podcast. My name is Elizabeth Martin, a soccer player at Emory University and producer of this week's episode. Go to voiceinsport.com join to sign up for a free membership and gain access to exclusive episodes, mentorship sessions, and other weekly content. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice in Sport. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, let's talk about that self-care for a little bit because, you know, I think following this tremendous loss for your personal life, you know, you turned obviously to lacrosse as a safe space, like you mentioned, but soon after that, in your junior year of college, COVID-19 hit, cut your season short, which is just another challenging thing, especially if you're, if sport is an outlet for you. So where was your physical and mental state at then? And like, what learnings did you take away from, from that experience that you can pass on to other young women heading into maybe you know, a situation that doesn't go the way they they want it to go. What did you learn, you know, at that moment? So the way that I tried to look at things is within the bad, there's going to be good. And within the good, there's going to be bad. So even though, you know, our season ending did really suck and, and it was bad, there were good things that came out of it at least I felt like for myself just because like there can be a lot of pressure that you experience during the season this pressure to perform this pressure like as a team in general collectively to perform the best together and to make it to the championship or have a winning record like it there's a lot of pressure that you experience in that time so for me I was already kind of experiencing this like mental adversity and then when our season ended like it wasn't a relief but I was kind of like this is kind of like good for me to be able to focus on myself because I'm to be honest like when I was going through that time I I wasn't doing nearly as much self-care as I should have been. Like, I was doing a little bit here and there, but I think once the season ended, it made me realize, like, wow, like, I wasn't taking care of myself like I thought that I was. And so once I went home, I still went and, like, played wall ball with my lacrosse stick every now and then, but I did spend time, like I said, trying to find new things to occupy my mind. And something, like... I I mean, I love learning and like, I may not love school, but I do love learning. The thing that drives me nuts about school is just all of the like 10 page papers and things like that. But once I finished, like when we didn't have a season, I actually kind of enjoyed doing my schoolwork. So I was like, wow, like I didn't really realize I, I had this in me. Like I actually like read a lot of the books. I didn't just skim through them. Like I took my time with them. And I was like, wow, like who would have thought that I, you know, would have been so interested in this. <laughs> and then I also just like started drawing. I tried to do things outside of, you know, just lacrosse. So I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, you know, part of a personal growth, my personal growth. Absolutely. Well, and it, it sounds like, you know, every, with everything, like you start to learn more and more about yourself as you grow. And it's amazing that you know that you love to learn and that can show up in different ways.
so let's talk about your last year and then we're going to kind of go and dive into your professional life in lacrosse after college. But your senior year, and we were still in the midst of COVID-19. So you're still, you know, dealing with the stressors of, of, you know, trying to play in a season with COVID-19. You're dealing with the loss of a close friend back home, all the while continuing to train. And then your senior year, you encountered another personal challenge. Would you mind sharing with us what happened at this point in your life, how it impacted you and how you kept self-care, mental health at like the forefront of how you worked through that? Yeah, for sure. So shortly after returning back to school in January after winter break, I'd gotten news that my dad had gone into the hospital and it was pretty serious. And between like the months of like January and March, he was still continuing to be in and out of the hospital. And there was kind of like there's a lot of speculation that he he may not make it. And at this point, I had no idea what to do. I was like, do I go home? Do I stay and do school and play lacrosse? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, this could be my last time, like, ever seeing my dad. And, you know, I talked to my family a lot, and I was like, look, like, just say the word. I'll be home. Like, I won't even hesitate. And they're like, no, like, we really want you to stay. We really want you to, you know, finish out your season, and we want you to get your degree, and we really just want you to focus on that, and, like, everything here will be okay. And that was just really hard for me because like I, like I said, I'm just someone who always likes to be there for people. So like in a way I kind of felt like I was kind of failing my family because I wasn't there for them. But like I knew that they wanted me to be here or not here, but in college playing lacrosse. And that was kind of something that I really like struggled with was the fact that I was like, my family is going through this struggle and I'm not there with them, experiencing it with them and being there for me. Like, I feel like they needed me and I wasn't there. And like, I ended up like talking to them about this like a lot later on because like, I didn't want them to worry about me while I was at school. I was like, you guys have so many other things to worry about. Like, I I just need to like put my head down and I just gotta grind and I gotta, you know, do well in school. I have to graduate and, you know, perform on the lacrosse field, which so I ended up, you know, putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I think sometimes when you're put in situations like this, you either sink or swim. And I think I was like, there was no choice. I have to swim. Like, I can't sink. So that was, that's really how I got through it. And like I said, just really taking things day by day because I didn't, I didn't want to make stories up in my head of like what could have happened or what you know, my my dad, you know, may not be here tomorrow. Like, I had to just be like, look, he's here today. You know, you just got to take it day by day. You can't get too far ahead of yourself. And obviously, that's pretty hard because as human beings, we always want to create stories. We always want to fill gaps. And that was just like something that was, you know, something really, really tough for me to get through was just not creating these stories in my head about what could happen. Well, in 2021, you graduated with a degree in sociology after four years at UNC. So looking back now, especially after sharing a lot of these stories where you grew as a person, you dealt with tragedy, and you also had a lot of amazing wins, right? A lot of amazing moments. So ups and downs of of life. What would you say is, you know, the biggest learning that you would want to pass on to other young women in sport today? 
just like you said, like there's there's gonna be wins and losses. There's gonna be downs in life, but you gotta like hold on to those little good things. You gotta celebrate every single small good thing just because we're gonna go through things in life when we're really really down we're gonna feel really really bad about ourselves and we have to remind ourselves that like not every single day is gonna be like this yesterday we may have you know been a little down in the dumps but tomorrow is full of opportunities so it really is like i said just always going back to that moments part like even if you have to break it down in you know, into seconds, like don't let five seconds ruin your day. Or even if you have to look at it as your day in quarters, like, oh, like I had a really bad first quarter today, but my second, third and fourth quarter were really good today. So not holding on to those things that may drag us down and really fuel the things that bring us up. I love it. And you said so many amazing and wise things that I'm going to try to recap because I think it was so incredible. So just listening to your story going through college, the things that really stand out to me that I really want other young women to hear as they listen to your story is that you want to own your feelings, right? The good ones, (laughs) the bad ones, the sad ones, the happy ones, like own your feelings, call them out, recognize them. It's okay to to have all of them, right? Right. Ask for help. (laughs) Ask for help. Don't suffer in silence was another thing that I think is so critical to any situation that we're in. There are a lot of amazing people out there. And if you don't feel like you have it in your close circle, join a community that has it, you know, but don't suffer in silence. And, and then lastly, like celebrate those wins. And I, and I think that's so important because you're going to have wins and don't underestimate or undervalue those wins along the way, because of course, we're all going to have losses. I really appreciate you sharing. (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing those stories. I know they're very personal. um, And I know it'll help a lot of other young girls. To continue listening to this podcast, please go to voiceandsport.com, join our community, and sign up for free. Kayla goes on to talk about her invitation and experience in the Athletes Unlimited Professional Lacrosse League, the way that she grew her confidence post-college, and some strategies to help build a better team dynamic. Head to minute number 38 to get started on voiceandsport.com. This week's episode was produced and edited by Viz creator Elizabeth Martin, a soccer player from Emory University. We're so thankful that Kayla shared her story here with us today and excited to see what she will do within the lacrosse world. You can follow Kayla on Instagram at underscore K underscore wood. Please subscribe to the Voice and Sport podcast. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and send this episode to a friend that you think might enjoy our conversation. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice and Sport. And if you're interested in joining our community, sign up for free at voiceandsport.com to get started. When you join Voice and Sport, you gain access to our exclusive content and podcasts, mentorship sessions from professional and collegiate athletes, and access to the top Viz experts in sports psychology and nutrition. If you're interested in more Viz lacrosse content, you might also want to check out episode number 35 featuring Michelle Tumalo, a former member of the U.S. Women's National Team. See you next week on the Voice and Sport podcast.